welcome to another edition of Movies and Tea After Hours. I'm your host, Elwood Jones, and joining me, of course, is my co-host, Miss Kim Lowe. Hello. And, uh, of course, for regular listeners of the show, we'll know that as part of our After Hours blog that we like to do Shark Week, and this week we're on our fifth Shark Week, so... What better way to mark such a momentous occasion of shark movie appreciation than by having a double feature, which is, of course, what we're doing tonight as we look at 47 Meters Down and its direct-to-video sequel, 47 Meters Down Uncaged. But um, first of all, obviously, 47 Meters Down, this was a film which was released in the cinema back in 2017, directed by Johannes Roberts and... uh, Starring Mandy Moore and Claire Holt, as the film follows two sisters who, while on a holiday in Mexico, decide to go cage diving, uh, only for cage to break and the plummet all the way to the ocean floor, with the girls now finding themselves with no way to escape, air supplies running low, and great white sharks lurking nearby. Um, now, I don't know about yourself, Kim, but this was a movie I only have just seen as of this recording. It's one I was aware of, but for some whatever reason, I just never actually got around to watching it. Um, is this one you'd seen before? or? Yeah, I had seen 47 Meters Down. Um, I think I saw it at about the same time as when I saw The Shallows, which I think was released the same year anyways or something like that, around that time. That year, it felt like there was a lot of shark movies <laughs> in my mind. And then I remember watching it back to back, and then 47 Meters Down was a... Um, not quite as impressive as The Shallows. I mean, to me, obviously. yeah, it's fine. I mean, this is the problem with shark movies because they're so numerous. You're never sure whether you're actually going to get a good one whenever you get one that gets a cinema release. I mean, when The Shallows came out, I don't think anyone expected that to be as good as it was, and certainly thanks to you know the efforts of the Asylum and the Sci-Fi Channel, they've really sort of lowered the bar of what we can expect from a shark movie. And with 47 meters down, while the concept was certainly interesting, I just don't know what it was. It just never sort of grabbed me. And watching it now is not exactly a shark movie. I'd say it's more a d- underwater survival. Yeah, it's more. I would say a disaster movie, but it's it's just the one incident that happens. It's more just um you know you've got these two sisters who are trapped in this unique situation and have to sort of overcome the odds to survive it first off the bat i mean this film obviously has mandy moore doing i don't don't know is mandy moore really now considered more an actor than a singer i'm not sure what we should really where we should sort of like put her whether she's like singer slash actor or just more just an actor these days I think she's just an actress of these days. I mean, what have we actually heard her sing? But then I'm not really that, you know. People people are going to prove me wrong. I don't listen to a lot of, like, uh, I haven't listened to the radio in forever. So <laughs> I, I don't know. But, um, I mean, my knowledge of Mandy Moore singing goes back to, like, really long time ago. So <laughs> I'm not even, uh, I don't know. I mean, I... I I don't know. I mean, I've always seen her as an actress, especially nowadays. She's she did the This Is Us and then the TV series This Is Us, and then you know she did this obviously. Yeah. And um, I mean, we see her here and there. I th- I feel like Mandy Moore is not as around, not around as much as I I would have liked. I mean, back in the days when she did like A Walk to Remember, and when she was a lot like when she was younger. I felt like, you know, I really like Mandy Moore. She sounded, she seemed really like, you know, the girl next door, uh, down to earth, like kind of, kind of like really, really fun to watch. But then she kind of like faded out and then I just kind of forgot about her. Yeah, it's, I mean, I remember her first single Candy that came out, that was back in 1999. And she was really one of those acts like Jessica Simpson that they were trying to captured the same momentum that they had with Britney Spears and Christina Aguilera. It was sort of like, oh, we need another pop princess, and Mandy Moore was wheeled out. And she never really seemed to make the same sort of headway that that uh, those artists did. Especially here in the UK, she sort of like came and disappeared, but she did actually do did several albums, none of which I've listened to. So I sort of heard that single, and then next, thing, next time I saw her, she was um, in Entourage, where she was... Uh, playing uh, the female lead in James Cameron's version of Aquaman. That was the, the first sort of 
hint of her being an actress that I saw, and then obviously we've got this. So I've not really followed her career at all. So, but um, no, for this role, she actually much like um, her co-star, she learned to scuba dive, and right off the bat, I want to say it's really kind of cool the fact that. All this film is actually shot underwater. It's not on mm-hmm. sound stages or digital effects and stuff. Or sort of like using uh, get rounds. They shoot they shoot it all underwater. So it's kind of like the abyss in that effect. And the actual sort of setup is is kind of uh, interesting, really. I mean, first off, the fact that we get to see Matthew Modine doing movies again, which is kind of nice. And I think there's a whole bunch of people out there who just think that Matthew Modine just did Stranger Things and forget that you had a whole career back in like the 80s and 90s as an actor oh that's what he he looked familiar i forgot, in, I forgot he was in stranger yeah, things <laughs> yeah he's in stranger things he's in which proves your point <laughs> he's in uh full metal jackets joker i believe he's i want to say he's in birdie as well i'm trying to think of like mashimo d movies i'm not again with mashimo d i didn't exactly follow his career but i liked him in full metal jacket certainly um mm. And it was so so banal when he like turned up as, because you have had the credits and because he's an actor of note, he gets that distinct honor of being uh, Matthew Modine as Captain Taylor. It's not just Matthew Modine. And I was so <laughs> sure that when he turned when he turned up in the whole setup that he was going to be like a real sort of scumbag captain. So I was kind of surprised that he's not. He just has a really scummy ship. Um, but, but he's running a legit operation, which is kind of funny to, to see. Cause... I'm not I'm not sure if it's legit, to be honest. Like, if, if you went to Mexico and then you, like, okay, and you met, like, like to flip it around, you didn't meet two guys, you met two girls, mm. okay? And then, and then they were like, oh, yeah, let's go to... Let's go to uh, let, let's the cave diving, uh, cage diving. It's really awesome. Whatever. I I know somebody, and let's go do it. And then you don't know these two two dudes uh, or these two girls. And then you go, and then what they bring you to when you get onto like a speedboat, and then you go into like out, and you go to the boat, and this rusty, crappy ship with the entire mechanism is rusty. I don't know if I'd do it. I mean, call me, like, you know. Oh, yeah, when, but... I, when I saw that cage, I was like, yeah, that totally screams health and safety there, doesn't it? I know. You look at it, and you're like, this thing is going to break. Like, this is an accident waiting to happen, you know? I think the f- the first warning sign, though, is the fact that his only check that they can dive is, like, you can dive right. And it's like, oh, yeah, yeah, we can totally dive. And, and like, Mandy Moore's character has, like, no clue in about diving at all, but Somehow matches yeah, she doesn't to get. know how to check her oxygen. She doesn't know anything that he says, whatever he's referring to. And then he just kind of, like, brushes it off. Yeah, that's the other thing. It's sort of like, oh, yeah, this is this is uh, for your oxygen. It goes in your mouth. I'm thinking, if she doesn't know where that goes, I don't really think that she knows what she's doing. <laughs> I know. I mean, it's it. There's there. You know, the deal with this movie is that there there are a lot of things. My, I think my major issue with it is I I always have fun with shark movies, no matter like whether it's like laughing at it or just getting like those jump scares or those like sudden tense moments. Yeah. I always find some way to enjoy it, and I did enjoy Forty Seven Meters Down. But my main issue with it, why it lost points on my radar, was just because some of the dialogue was really stupid, and then at the same time you also had. This whole motivation to get Mandy Moore to get into the water, uh, her, her her role is called Lisa, to get Lisa into the water is that her sister, Kate, played by Claire Holt, uh, you know, shout out to all of the Vampire Diary fans here. Um, oh, two so, of them. <laughs> no, I like them. <laughs> I'm a Vampire really? Diary fan. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my God. Uh, yeah, and then... Um, and then you have her, and Le- the Kate's main argument for Lisa, who's scared to go to all these things, is to prove that her, to prove to her ex-boyfriend that she's daring. Like, I don't know. I mean, if a dude dumped me because he was not, he thought I wasn't exciting enough, and then you feel bad about it, and then you have to go and prove it to him. He doesn't care. He left. <laughs> you know, like... Even if you died, it wasn't. Gonna, it, nothing's gonna happen. He's not gonna feel anything. He's not gonna care. Well, it's the whole thing is that she wants to prove that she's, you know, she's a fun girl. She's going to go out and do daring things, which I think she believes has uh, been the cause for her the breakdown in her relationship. 
Now, there was footage of her boyfriend shot, and he would have been played by James Van Der Beek, uh, but they felt that it ruined the sort of momentum of the film and uh, preferred to have the bit sort of mystique of who the boyfriend was and his sort of side of things, so they cut all those scenes out. But the large portion of the film is just basically focuses on these these two girls, uh, Lisa and Kate, as they're trapped at the bottom of the ocean, and they occasionally are able to communicate with uh, Captain Taylor by the sort of uh, internal mic at all, and we get little sort of uh, glimpses of the system, but the rest of the time it's just these two sisters um, sort of hanging out at the bottom of the ocean trying to problem solve. And, um, yeah, I can't say that they were the most engaging you know, pair that I've ever sort of had for myself stuck at the bottom of the ocean with, to say the least. And the film, for the most part, goes through all the sort of usual sort of motions. It's all like, we put these characters in the worst situation, they have the emotional situation that they overcome, and then they find the resolution for it. So, in terms of actual storyline and plotting, the film doesn't really throw that too many sort of surprises out there, and it did also feel, feel like kind of tedious because they aren't in this constant threat. It's sort of they're sort of sitting around in this cage and they're sort of wondering how they're going to get back up to the surface. And occasionally we'll get like a a great white shark turn up to sort of mix things up a bit. But those moments are sort of few and far between. And it's really only towards the end that the film sort of became interesting with one of its little uh, plot twists, which we'll come to in a minute because I felt that it um, certainly could have, they could certainly could have changed how the film ended, uh, just based around this one twist. But like the ending is the best part of the movie. For like there are a few pretty good parts, and I think like obviously we have um, there's a part where the whole time Kate is the one who's being more daring, and then when it comes to a point where Kate can't do, you know, can't, is it is not able to do this uh, because I think she was injured or something. Then Mandy Moore, like uh, Lisa, has to go out and do this, even though she's scared. So you, there's that moment where she heads out and then she's in this, like, emptiness type of thing. Mm. Like, empty just in the middle of the water. You don't know what's under you. It just goes on forever. You don't know where the sharks are coming. And that part is just so... I think the best part is this film is able to balance that underwater depth the darkness in the water and the murky water and and really just have those have the sharks come out sparsely i don't mind that they didn't add more shark moments but i like the fact that they were able to create those the tension that you know something's out there but you don't know when it's gonna come and then it would just be kind of like this kind of jump share jump scare shock type of thing yeah, the other issue I have is the fact that we, I don't know, we're just going to say that that there's going to be spoilers throughout the, this episode for both these films, so I'm just going to want ahead now from this point, really. And that we get an hour into this film, and they're pulling the cage up, because they managed to get another cable attached to it, and then it's almost like the director's like, oh crap, we've got another half an hour of this film to release. Drop that cage! <laughs> <laughs> so we end up with these two, them once again stuck back where we started. It's sort of like, at that point, I'm like, you know, I'm just done. And then it's sort of like, you just dropped this cage because you couldn't think of anything else to do with these people. And now it's sort of like we're put in a slightly worse situation. So that was stupid. But I feel like. You know, I feel like if they did it earlier, like if they did that attempt earlier oh, yeah. and then they dropped the cage down and we didn't have that whole part of, you know, the whole trying to get up and then you go up and you have the fake victory and, you know, you've gone through all these motions. I feel like it's just the part, the concept was good. It was just how it was executed and how they paced it that was not as good. Like you, you, you really have this moment that, I get what you mean. Like when they when they dropped it back down, it was it was meant to be shocking. Like, oh, this is like failed again, yeah. you know. All their all their attempts are not working. Will they make it out? Will they make it out? You know, it's it's to create the the sense of danger, not not that they're not danger, not not that they're not in enough danger since they're running out of oxygen. But you would have assumed that before you tried to pull up the the cage, maybe you would have sent down the oxygen first. You know, <laughs> I don't know. I mean, well, that might have been helpful. The re- he actually <laughs> does say though, doesn't he? Because Captain Taylor's like, 
Uh, the reason I didn't send down the oxygen is because yeah, of, yeah, the because of the... nitrogen narcosis, which basically yeah. means you trip bowls underwater, which gives us our, our fun twist of the, the episode as, as uh, they finally sort of battle their way back up to the surface. And she's where they get this great moment, she's sort of lying on, on the deck and they're doing they're doing the um, resuscitation breakdown and she's like looking at her hand and she sees like the blood and it's all like floating underwater which I thought was really cool and then we yeah. cut back to her and she's in the bottom of the cage and I was like, like end the movie there it's like I don't need her rescued I just want her like still stuck at the bottom of the ocean it's all we've, we think that she's escaped but it's all in her head and I think it's because it's uh, an American production. American productions are pretty legendary for not being able to stick with dark endings, as we saw with like Brazil and uh, The Big Blue as well. Both tacked on happy endings onto pretty dark uh, and ending the descent, films. Yeah, into the descent as well. Um, also went with the the not so happy ending. I don't. When were you guys over in Canada? Do you get the American endings or do you get the European endings? We get the. Uh, we, I think we get the American ending. Oh, that sucks. Yeah, yeah, but I was able. I had found the other ending. Yeah, before, yeah. So it wasn't. It wasn't like. Uh, yeah. But uh, I don't know. I mean, I think that you know, at this point, we're talking about the ending and the ending part. Through whether you like, obviously, this is my second viewing. So to me, I had already known the twist. Yeah. Um, I already knew that what was going to happen in general, like I hadn't seen it a few years and I'm not like a super fan of this movie. So I had an idea about what was going to happen, but I forgot that she got rescued. (laughs) I thought that (laughs) I forgot that she got rescued. Honestly, I think the part that was the best was not only the twist, but it was, it was the, the going up part when they were battling upwards. I really, really like, that's my, that's my like most memorable scene ever. Like, the one part of 47 Meters Down that I remember from the first time I watched it till the second time that I watched it, I looked for it even more, was when they had the whole, like, the sharks swarming in around them and the dark, dark ocean as they're going up. And then the light, it lights up, the they light up with a flare, I think, or something. And then, and then it's just like, you see the sharks around you and then they repel backwards. And then as you go back up, you keep seeing that, and it and it's and it's amazing, and it's just such a beautifully shot scene because I just think it's so nice, like the entire idea of that, the danger of that. Yeah, I mean, there's that real nice sort of uh, the way the way they sort of shoot this, this idea that you're ascending into salvation, that you you yeah. go down into the depths of of this watery hell, and you're going to with the light coming down, we're sort of ascending back into the salvation of uh, of of you know land, I guess, is or wherever you mm-hmm. want to go, the surface land. Um, yeah. But yeah, I mean, it's it's just. I mean, it would have been. I'd just so hung up on it. The fact it didn't have a down ending. It's not. I mean, what are we supposed to do? It's not like we're going to create a franchise around following, following Lisa and her sister, is it? It's sort of like, oh, you know, a sequel. Them, what they got in another rusty ass cage and got trapped somewhere else. It's sort of like, how clumsy <laughs> are these bitches? <laughs> so it's it just again. It just brings me back to that. Um, my favorite line on um, on the middle is where he's reading about reading about the climbers and Everest, and he's like, "Wow, well, rich people sure love to die in stupid places." <laughs> and that's why I felt with these two, <laughs> these two well-to-do um, girls. The only the other issue I have here is the fact that we have so few people, and when I'm watching a shot movie, I like a big body cam because I like to see you know okay. a lot of shark attacks. It's all like, but here we've got we've got two okay. sisters. And we yeah. got one rescue diver, and I suppose like the other rescue team that are coming in, but that they're you know they're equipped for the situation. They're not half-assing it like this team are. <laughs> and, you know, and you know, so so I guessing like we're gonna we're gonna talk about the second movie soon, mm. I would assume. But I mean, the second movie was probably more your speed than <laughs> had a bigger cast. The second movie, I mean, the second movie sets it up. I mean, you obviously got potential for more people to die in stupid ways which is always good yeah so anyways we're talking about cast and i just wanted to mention like if if we this is like a classic teen tv cast of anything like maybe not like you know 
passe or now, whatever. I don't know if Mandy Moore did TV before. But Claire Holt is from Vampire Diaries. And then you have Yanni Gelman, who was in Pretty Little Liars. And then you have Santiago Segura, which is in Scream TV series. So just, it was him. <laughs> uh, I'm just trying to find out who he was like, in wow, um, who he was in Pretty Little Lies because I remember I watched that and I enjoyed the first Which... four seasons. I think <laughs> I remember there's the season. I just remember a point where it just got stupid. <laughs> Pretty Little Lies. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. He was Officer Garrett. Oh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He was a Garrett guy. He was a uh, he was Garrett with uh, Allison, I think, at some point. Yeah. Um, and after you mash your team, so it's um, he's obviously done TV work now. It, it's kind of shocking, really, the fact that there is going to be a whole yeah group of um, kids out there, as we said already, who just think that Matthew Modine just did strange things, same as we were known a writer. They think that she's just a TV actress, not you know this eighties teen icon. Actually, I was just looking at this the the diver the 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 diver Javier that dies is yeah. played by Chris Johnson and he was in uh, he was in uh, Vampire Diaries also. <laughs> I didn't know that. I forgot. <laughs> yeah. So I mean, forty seven meters down is is you know it's I think it's it's a normal it's kind of a formulaic movie in a certain way. Like it's kind of predictable in in what's happening. Um, I really do think that the premise that they had, the, the idea they had was good. It's just that maybe it's the writing, maybe it's some things just felt a little bit too, I don't know, just, it was just, you expected everything to happen the way that it would. Yeah. Um, I think the shark element was done really well. So if they had, maybe if maybe you were right, if they did add the shark element more, it would have been better. Yeah, I mean, I can, I can. There's many sort of things I can sort of forgive her. I mean, obviously, these are great white sharks that uh, they encounter, here. and obviously, this being a shark movie, we have to play up. You know, sharks are dangerous, and and throw mm-hmm. you know science and common sense out the window, which is fine. I can live with that because while these, it made no sense for these like sharks to have as much interest in these kids as they do. Yeah. But you know, sharks are gonna get paid. I mean, there's no, there's no. I love a huge amount of acting roles for sharks and um, doing like, you know, free Willy style roles out there. So, <laughs> if you go into this, I think expecting more of a sort of like a disaster movie or a, um, I think I think that's the best way to describe it because it is basically um, you know a, these two girls in this situation they have to sort of find their way out of. And the sharks are just more sort of like the background threat of the situation they're just there to um provide an obstacle to overcome i wonder though if when they did this like i felt like the mindset of it was that this is more of just a survival movie and yes the sharks are a background threat but they were but they're still fairly like they're still there more and more right as they start moving around more which is generally the concept right if if shark, if you're not moving, sharks don't really care about you. If you're not getting hurt, you're not bleeding. Sharks aren't supposed to care too much about you. But, but then I mean, as they start moving like up and down, and then they start like swimming around, and you know, then then you kind of get the attention of of these these predators underwater because now you're like, oh, you know, prey type of thing. So. I wonder if there's some kind of truth to it in the sense that they make it where. As they start planning to leave, as they start doing more, then sharks are more abundant. I mean, they try to obviously cover for this, but the fact that they've all got like these gaping wounds and uh, bleeding all over the place, which, you know, you've got to give the film some sort of credit for that. Um, It's trying to inject some sort of sense into the premise of why these sharks would be so interested. Because obviously, I mean, when it comes to like the cages, it's the. Um, the magnetic field that cages generate, which sparks sharks' curiosity, and um, sharks obviously, you know, explore everything with their face because they don't really have hands. So yeah. that's the sort of reason that you see like uh, sharks like attacking cages and things because it's those curiosity of what what this is in their territory, and the fact that obviously they got they got bloody wounds and all the rest of this is is obviously going to hold the sort of sharks' interest there, but. 
I did. As I said, every time I sort of come back to it, as, as nice as the film sort of looks, the actual situation just didn't engage me. And at the same time, there's not enough constant reminder of the threat there because we've got such a small number of people in the area. So we can't just like keep bumping off minor cast members to sort of keep the the threat high. Like uh, when we look at something like mm. uh, Deep Blue Sea, for example. Oh, Bates even. Oh, Bates is another great They had a gigantic cast. <laughs> yeah, but they had plenty of disposable people um, to sort of throw away there, which, again, it, it constantly reminds you of the threat that's, that's there. Whereas when we look at the shallows, we were constantly reminded of the sharks there because it's just constantly... It's got a very sort of... Um, it's got that sort of stalker presence to it. So it was this constant threat, and at the same time, the situation that she's in, her own sort of personal sort of uh, life was very much was a really sort of engaging subplot to this. You know how she gets off the rock was really sort of engaging, and so a real credit to Blake Lively. Although when I was seeing like the text credit, the text messages, I think it's in this one or it's in the the next one. I just couldn't. I just thought straight away of the shallows, the way the uh, text messages appear on the screen. Oh, it might be the next okay. one. I don't. I don't think this one had text messages because the the even the conversation with the the ex boyfriend was like off 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 camera, right. right? And then, yeah, and then the whole thing was like afterwards, and then there wasn't. I don't think there was anything. Oh yeah, there was. There was one part where they were talking to. Yeah, yeah, yeah. they were talking. She was talking to the 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 ex boyfriend via messaging or something. I think there was one part in the beginning. I don't. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think if I saw caught this on TV, I would enjoy it more than if I paid to see it in the cinema. So, I suppose the the settings for this film helped. Um, I think I don't think if I paid to see it in the cinema, I think I would have uh, really gotten even more out of it. I probably would have been very disappointed. I'd spent my money on this instead of you know, seeing something else at the time. Which I think what else came out in twenty seventeen that I could have obviously gone and seen, but twenty seventeen wasn't exactly a standout year for myself. So. I don't remember what came out in 2017. <laughs> um, but yeah. Uh, anyway, so I mean, we're, we're, I think we're, we've all, we've talked quite a bit about 47 Meters Down. And we should talk about the sequel. Yeah. So 47 Meters Down Uncaged was released last year and you said it was direct-to-video, right? Yeah, this is a uh, DTV release. It's uh, just recently turned up on Netflix here in the UK. Which I think is probably one of the best places for it to be seen because it's it's real Netflix fair. This one is. <laughs> uh, so yeah, forty-seven meters down, uncaged. Originally, this was was titled forty-eight meters down. Real clever play on word words there, guys. Uh, this one being released last year. And um, much like Deep Blue Sea, I wouldn't be surprised if you uh, you didn't rush out and grab it when it was released on, on DVD. As, uh, like I said, it's, it's one of those films that you watch if it stumbles across like your Netflix or your Amazon Prime, but I don't think you'd sort of rush out and buy it unless you were like a really huge fan of 47 Meters Down. I'm sure there are people out there who are. Um, I mean, 47 Meters Down, I feel like it's just it's just finding a reason to continue on. I mean, it wasn't really 47 meters down. <laughs> we don't really know how many meters down they were. Um, but, I mean, they kept a lot of, like, the the key things from the first movie. You know, like, it's still about sisters and friends, but sisters. <laughs> um, it's about, it's it, it still has, you know, sharks in kind of, you know, obviously. And there's sharks in underwater more sharks this time the threat is a bit different the area is a bit different the place they are is a little bit different um there are some similarities and obviously because the director is the same which is i feel like it's quite rare that you actually have movies like shark movies and stuff like that where the director and even the writers remain the same for both um, so I guess we can see a lot of the things because there is that kind of love for that, obviously, the first movie, which is being carried down to a vision for another shark movie in this one. Yeah, definitely. So, I mean, obviously, with this one, we had uh, a lot of the main sort of players return. We had uh, not only, you know, Johan Roberts returns as well, but we've got the same producers and... and um 
Screenplay again being produced by Joan Robertson and Alice Riviera. And we also have music again by Tamandi, who did the soundtrack of the first one, which we didn't actually touch upon in our first half of the show. But um, once again, they return with a very sort of abstract and non-intrusive score. Uh, Tamandi are one of those, um, you know, one of those um, musical duos who do a lot of soundtracks, but I can never sort of like place where their their music is. Um, even I think the only time, the only exception to that being Rules of Attraction, where they did the soundtrack to that. But they've certainly done music for a number of others. They've, uh, in terms of like film scores, they did um, Killing Zoe, uh, The Hills of Ice, the Alexandra Asha remake. Uh, they did The Strangers, which ties in quite nicely to, obviously, our director here, who, between doing 47 Meters Down and this film, did the sequel uh, to The Strangers. Um, we've had The Strangers Pray at Night, which we both, I think we both found, we said we were going to watch, but we haven't got around to it yet. <laughs> and uh, currently he's going to be taking on the Resident Evil reboot. So it seems that... Um, Rebooting property seems to be his his new career path. <laughs> Rebooting horror stuff, apparently, um, to certain elements. I, I don't know. I, I mean, I think that I think Resident Evil reboot is a is a an, is a topic for another day <laughs> to discuss. <laughs> unneeded. Uh, huh? <laughs> the Resident Evil reboot is unneeded, perhaps. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty much. I mean, did we not say everything um, I mean, we wanted with the first six films? <laughs> I don't know. I mean, as much as people give a lot of crap to Paul W.S. Anderson mm. for Resident Evil, I really did enjoy it for the most part. So I don't know what they're going to bring to it that's going to be different. Maybe, you know, stick more to the games. I don't know. Uh, we never know what's going to happen, right? Uh, but I mean, you know, for sure, this director has a really good visual eye as and especially when he's doing this in Uncaged, I think that there's still a lot of those those light flares and all those things that really work with the underwater scene that he, he really likes, you know, dark settings, dark underwater settings. And this movie actually played a lot like it had a lot of just the underwater format of The Descent. I don't know if you felt that way, but just like how the shark first appears behind you know <laughs> behind one of them and they don't notice it but we do yeah. it's it's the same thing as there was one scene in the descent which is exactly like that oh um yeah definitely so i mean in terms of uh, the plot this time thankfully it's not another ocean set uh thriller again there's no no stupid people getting in stupid cages again as uh, this time we've got a pair of stepsisters we've got uh, Mia played by uh, Sophie Nealis and her uh, stepsister Sasha played by Korean Fox um, who both have moved to a new school and um, Mia's basically struggling to settle, settle in she's been already been targeted by the school bitch uh, Catherine who's uh, played by Breck Bassinger and um, the two basically end up going on a, a diving um, excursion because uh, they find out of a secret caving system that um, Mia's father has uh, discovered, which uh, has an underwater tomb that's been undiscovered for a number of years. So the pair team up with uh, two of their friends and decide to go diving in this this uh, cave system only to find themselves not only trapped inside but also having to now avoid the blind cave sharks that, <laughs> I almost said that was straight face um, that inhabit the tombs so right off the bat we've got larger cast we've got more sharks different setting and as you said Kim it's a real descent vibe to this or if we're to talk about you know the original uh, version of uh, the descent what waits below arguably superior mm -hmm. but again that's a discussion for another day um it's a really great setup i mean again we've got diet people actually doing diving under in underwater sets which is really nice to see it's a different sort of setup than what we used to it could have been so easy the fact that they had to enter an underwater system and then they're sort of trapped in uh, and have to do like sort of like splunking and go in and out of water but no we get everything that is shot underwater which is really nice and again um roberts has a great eye for shooting underwater i have to give him his credit it's um 
he's uh, teaming up once again with cinematographer Mark Silk and between them they just really do a great job with selling these underwater sequences while again I score I think I scored both of the films the same uh, the same rating but in terms of saying what which movie was more engaging and had a lot more action going on I think that Uncaged is definitely one that I would go back to rather than maybe 47 meters down just because there was so much more I guess just so much more just so much more action so much stuff happening there's always something going on. The only issue with it is that some of these, <laughs> some of these people, like you had already said before, it was just more people to die in dumb ways. <laughs> they knew what I wanted. Um, yeah, <laughs> apparently so. <laughs> so you know, it's some some of this is like it's just it's 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 just you kind of expect some of these deaths to happen, and yet sometimes shark because of the how these sharks move i think there's a similarity in the sense that these sharks are very like they're they're they prey and you see them go very slow when they're kind of just like around the water but then when they attack they're very fast so a lot of it is just like just going by right and you know the the frustrating part of this movie is probably i just i just wonder if it's frustrating i think because we're watching it you feel that you know, you're thinking to yourself and you're yelling at the people. You're like, shut up, shut up. <laughs> you know, you already said they're blind. Heightened senses. Just stop talking. You know, and then but then you think about it. If you were in the same situation and you were in this dark cave and there were like sharks swimming above you or just attacking the people, you know, the, suddenly <laughs> people are dying left, right and center. You would probably like it would be hard to not be very like panicked. Yeah, definitely so. It's a very claustrophobic experience to watch this film because yeah. they're basically... The tunnels that they're going down are basically... There's enough for one person to sort of go through. And the sharks themselves are largely confined to areas because uh, they constantly get stuck in the entranceways. Yet, apparently this place is uh, either so shoddily built or the sharks are super strong, I can't decide which, that, um, that it constantly falls apart and blocks off parts of the tunnel system. So they're, they're constantly faced with these situations where they've got to sort of sneak past the sharks who, as you said, they're blind so that they work off a sense of like um, smell and and sound. Which I thought is a really, it's a fun twist. I mean, we I don't think of any other sort of movies like this where it's sort of like combining that uh, sort of underwater cave diving, uh, sort of splunking sort of atmosphere. Um, with the added sort of threat of having sharks in there, because there's obviously films like Sanctorum, which uh, has people like going for like underwater cave systems, and obviously we got numerous sort of shark movies, but I've never seen the two combined the way that we have here, which I thought was a really interesting um, approach. It and the whole sort of setup and the location is really interesting as well. Um, and so I also found that you know. This, I don't know, this group of uh, girls, they're all sort of interesting in their own sort of way, even though they're sort of interchangeable when they've all got their um, dive gear on. So I think they probably could have put a little more forethought into that, you know, have them in like different colored suits or just have the way to sort of distinguish between them a bit more. Because there was a numerous occasions where I thought that one character died, but they actually hadn't. It was another person. So <laughs> really? Oh, yeah. It wasn't. It wasn't really that hard to figure out because everybody had their. To me, at least, they each had their own distinct type of type of personality. So it wasn't. Uh, it wasn't too hard for me to distinguish them. I mean, well, they were all different, right? There. I mean, even in their scuba ge scuba gear and and how they reacted and how they 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 did whatever. You know, they. It would. It would be easy to tell who was who. Um, but I think, you know, obviously, uh, I was reading up on some of the, the, the comments on this <laughs> movie and it was like, <laughs> and I think the people talk the most about the fact that this is kind of, you know, obviously we have two here, which are second generation actors, actresses. Are you talking about um, Sistine Stallone? <laughs> yeah. Sistine Stallone is, <laughs> and then you have Kareen Fox. Oh, so she is, isn't she? Yes. He's Jimmy Fox's daughter. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. You forget Jamie Foxx is old enough to have a daughter. 
uh, yeah. I mean, we had a conversation that <laughs> that we don't watch enough. We had a conversation, uh, me and me and my husband that had uh, that was about how we don't remember Jamie Foxx and a lot of other stuff. We just remember him in Collateral. <laughs> and then I'm like, I'm like, no, he was in other things. We just don't watch a lot of Jamie Foxx at all. <laughs> He's not really a draw for myself either. Um, I, I don't know why. I just he's not, he's not the sort of actor I get excited about, about seeing. The same with Denzel Washington. Once you realize that yeah. Denzel Washington's um, whole career path is insert career, <laughs> but combined with, but he is a genius. So like whatever it is, he's like always oh, a train driver, but a genius. Always oh, a pilot, but a genius. It's so like oh, yeah. So yeah. <laughs> so that that's the only point I have. I know there's people out there who obviously uh, who love and adore Denzel Washington, and so we're not going to to tackle that one too much. Um, something I do want to tackle about as much, which is really weird. The soundtrack to this film is so weird. I don't know if it would seem weird to yourself, but they've got like they open with like status quo. The girls are like rocking out to prefab sprout when they're going uh, on the the jeep ride. Going to the yeah, uh, yeah going to secret location. I had a worrying thought that we were going to see the whole drive to the lake like we did in Shark Night. <laughs> <laughs> Whenever I see people driving anywhere now, I just assume this could be the whole journey that we're going to sit through. But um, yeah, prefab sprout somewhere in my heart. Um, I don't think that these girls would be rocking out to that. I know my friend Adrian, he does a really good karaoke version to that. <laughs> it's a very it's a very involved performance he puts in with it, so I think the movie is is okay like the way that it sets up is pretty good. I, I think that the differences of forty seven like forty seven meters down uncaged to the first one, it it's nice to see that they didn't do something that had to kind of I don't know, that had to nod to the first one. I mean, other than the fact that, obviously, underwater, their main issue is survival. So their main issue is oxygen level. Um, and it was the fact that sounds and, and trigger were all triggers. So it gave... There were so much more triggers in this one than, than the previous movie that I think it actually gave it this more intense moment because you just... It felt like... The darkness, and then like when they kicked up all the dust, and it was just so hard to see, and everything was was really done really well. Even to the blind sharks, like you look at the blind sharks, and then you have this, you can see like as they go go over them or whatever in different angles, you start seeing these sharks, and then not only are their eyes obviously they're blind, so it, it you can't whatever, but. You see that their bodies, because of this place they're in, is all scratched up also. And I think that just those little details is, it, it's, it's such a nice touch because it gives these sharks kind of a unique, a uniqueness to the area that they're in. Yeah, definitely so. I mean, the, the shark effects in this one aren't as impressive as they are in 47 Meters Dam. Yeah. Um, but yeah. I think those to be sort of be expected being that it's a, you know, a DTV release. Um, and after I saw that cave, we had the first um, thing that we see is the blind cave fish, which looks shockingly bad. Uh, it's like a 3D. <laughs> I know, shockingly bad, and then it screams. Yeah, which makes no sense, uh, which brings me on to my next point. Uh, whose broad idea was it to have the, the sharks announced with a foghorn? Whenever these, these sharks appear, it's always like this. And it's like, it's, it's <laughs> like, oh, that's supposed to be like this big tension thing but it's so like just choreographs whenever the shark appears now so it's very hard to get any sort of shocking uh, sort of moments there but um, uh, yeah. there are moments actually when the sharks do look really 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 good um, but yeah I, w I mean uh, I can't say that I really sort of um, hated the shark effects I think I've certainly seen a lot worse when it comes to shark effects than we did with this film so real sort of credit to the uh, production studio uh, the Fizz Facility who um, obviously worked on uh, those. Um. Yeah. I'm, I mean, I think that the sharks worked the best when they were in, like, in faraway shots. Oh, yeah, Like, definitely. obviously, the, the lurking moments were really good because then it was all about the stillness. And I'm always for, I'm always down for quiet, still moments in horror movies because I find, like, it, when they're done, 
in a certain way in the right situation, it always elevates the movie. And in this one, there there are quite a few like that that really work. But where it really excels, I think, is even though the effects obviously weren't as good as the first one, when they were far away and they were taking pictures, like even when you're doing, I really love those everybody's doing it now in shark movies, but the the above shots where you see the shadows of the sharks swimming under and stuff, it, it is really, really impressive to see just where you're positioning the sharks as well as with them, right? And I think one of those best, biggest and best moments, not, not uh, you know, excluding the, we're going to talk about the ending later and we're going to talk leading up to the ending and stuff, but that part where you have that, you know, you feel like they're going to escape and they're at this point and then it's just, you know, everything just goes to crap, obviously. Um, but those, the, but that part was, was kind of just really, really, it, it had kind of like that deep blue sea attacks Samuel L. Jackson moment uh, where when they, when they, when, you know, you see the, the girls are trying to go and then they, they're trying to go up and it, it's just, you know, everybody just goes crazy type of thing right oh the yeah i mean the 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 reverse repel it's it's yeah. for myself it just brings to mind um the scene in taran inferno where you've got the the um the building the the building owner's son and they they're there in like uh the rescue boy that they're going across the buildings in and he basically tries to commandeer itself and he just like turns to this mass panic moment um but yeah, she really, she really sort of drops the ball. It's funny how that lighthearted situation suddenly went south real quick. Yeah, but I mean, like all, I feel like this director is always like that, right? They always give you he 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 get he keeps giving you like false sense of of victory, but at the same time, I think it's just the fact that you know, obviously, it's it's a bit different, and and in this case, it works a bit better than. Obviously, the cage falling again in in the first. Oh one. yeah, this one is a bit different because you're you're in a different moment of escape. I whereas it, the other one was was less about that. It was like you. It was more of the same, right? Just in the worst situation. Whereas this one, it was like you you would lose somebody in the process of this this false sense of victory, and then it would be the situation would be much worse than before. And then they had to gather themselves and be like, okay, well, now we have a plan, and but we don't have the leader of the plan anymore, so let's go and figure this out ourselves, you know? Yeah, definitely so. I mean, I knew that the the whole repel thing wasn't going to work. I mean, imagine if, if we had to sit there and watch for like 15 minutes and watch these people just reverse repel themselves out, because it's not the most speediest of things. So I was fully expecting that to to go pear-shaped. And I mean, this is what I really liked about this film compared to the original film, and the fact that you're constantly encountering problems and situations, and it falls more into that sort of disaster mode, the fact that we've got... We're starting off in this situation and we're constantly going to these different points where we think we're going to find an escape only to then be presented with a different problem or the situation changes. And I have to say, I felt really, really bad for like the father character in this because he's sort of like they're helping these uh, dozy ass girls out and um, then gets molded. And it's sort of like the fact when you escape, you've now got to go back and explain to your stepmom how you got your father killed. <laughs> and that's the conversation I was like, oh, don't really want to do that one. So you're damned if you survive and you're damned if you don't. So, but, um, yeah, but I mean, I mean, in a situation like that, that you're, I mean, you might get a little bit of grief over it, but in the end there, they did lose a lot of people in the process. And, and I mean, uh, just, just as a thing, like the father is played by John Corbett, which I think most people know him from. Uh, big fat Greek wedding. <laughs> so. Is that where he's from? I couldn't play. To, I'd... Yeah, well, he was in a lot of stuff after that, but I mean, he's on and off. Like I see him in a lot of things. He's also in. Um, he's also the father character in uh, to all the uh, to all the boys I've loved before. Okay. Yeah. And he's in the Sex and the City movies as Agent Shaw. <laughs> I, re- I remember sitting for those movies. I don't remember him being there. Um, he's never changed his hair. I wonder if he's in... 
Well, I mean, yeah, I believe he changed it from 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 Big Fat Greek Wedding, which was a long Is time ago. He still have that long, puffy hair sort of look going, and apparently he was also yeah. in Volcano as well. Mm. Which I'm gonna, I would say, I would watch as well if you like this movie. <laughs> but um, no, I really, as I said, the whole. The whole sort of uh, plotline. I like the fact that we're constantly presented with these issues. The whole sort of setting, as I said, we're going through for a caving yeah. system and and cave cave diving as a whole is just scary as all hell. So throwing sharks yeah. is sort of like a, an easy kind of win here. Um, yeah. And I have to say that one there's a really awesome death sequence in this film, which I think elevated it from being a little 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 higher than I probably would have rated it. But I'm not going to um, spoil spoil for you guys because you can enjoy that one for yourself. Uh, even if it, I think I know which one you're talking it about. It did before my favorite character, <laughs> but never mind. Huh? It befell my favorite character, um, which is a shame, but so be it. Um, now, when we get to obviously the end, and um, we have this sort of final sort of dash to to safety uh for the, for the boats and stuff because now these these girls managed to escape a a tomb of blind sharks and end up in a swimming into a chum lane for this glass bottom boat that they should have been on originally so that was a nice throwback i know i i you know that you know what i i really i'm sorry as we talk about this i'm starting to love this movie more <laughs> <laughs> and then you just think about it and you're you're thinking about how smart that was because through this whole cave thing going on I forgot that they were supposed to be somewhere else. <laughs> and then when they brought it back, I was just like, wow, this is amazing. And then they had to go, like, slam the window where that, uh, that, that, uh, bully, like, the bully girl mm. was. And then it was just, you know, you see that moment in the end and stuff. And then, and then, oh, man, but I'm telling you, the ending where they were, they were going to the boat and constantly being like attacked by these different sharks and stuff oh my god that was so intense <laughs> oh really because that's where i didn't find a major detraction from the film for myself really i thought because yeah. obviously like i i had a feeling i i thought that you know the worst part i liked the whole sequence but i didn't like that whole sh slow motion flare gun bit oh that was it stupid was so Oh, that was so stupid. Um, like, if they had didn't have that part, they kept everything fast-paced, I would have been totally down with that entire sequence. It's just at the end, it gets the end, and it still felt like that these, these dozy, I keep calling them dozy bitches, because it feels like the best way to sort of describe them. Um, but yeah, these two, these two girls that, they're trying to get back on the boat, and they're just constantly being attacked by sharks, and it felt like the director was had to give them, like, um the final sort of shot of having the tough girl moment because he's got two leading ladies they both have to have the tough girl moment you can't just have one have it because it sort of detracts from the other so they well i mean te technically if you think about it there is only one tough girl here and that and that's giving the girl who was being like like giving mia who was being bullied in the beginning this this like strong fighting edge that you know because you know, obviously the first person gets dragged down is Sasha, and then just to prove that through this entire thing, their sisterhood has been bonded, they, you know, she just jumps right back in without thinking, grabs the flare gun, the most, the most clear-minded she's been in the entire time, <laughs> and then she jumps back in, and then she, she attacks the shark, Yeah, right? but it's all like we have to show them both being attacked and attacking the shark at the same time. Um, it's not the yeah. case of like one's attacked and the one's rescuing, and it's all like, oh yeah, we've got this great thing now to bind us, and it's like we were both attacked by sharks. And it's like it's not the best thing, but yes, it is something that will finally bond these two stepsisters uh, together, and I suppose sets up uh, the next forty-seven meters down when you know the stepmother remarries and brings in another sister for them. Uh, if they do another one, it's going to be like a different story again. I mean, every single one is a different story. The only thing is, where else can you bring sharks? I mean, I like the concept that they have. I mean, mm. sharks and sharks and lack of oxygen in a shark cage at the bottom. That was a good premise. They just didn't execute it well enough. And then this one was blind blind sharks in a, in cave and cave uh, and 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 cave exploration, which is really nice when you bring 
you know, the claustrophobia and all that stuff in, and then they even, yeah. you know, managed to wrap it up. I actually thought it was pretty smart for the most part. It's funny you should mention, um, obviously, what they could do for a third one, because I was speaking to Jay today over on uh, the Deep Blue Sea podcast and as well as the Lambcast, and um, I was saying that the original concept for Deep Blue Sea 2 was that it was going to be in a flooded town and it was going to be full of sharks. Uh, so it's going to be like like a hard rain meets deep blue sea which i thought would be an awesome concept and we kind of saw this with crawl uh yeah. which is obviously uh gators in the flooded town and i think maybe for the third one they do that we get we get flooded town and sharks i think they'd be really cool oh that could be a good idea i mean i, I don't know i mean uh... I'm a coastal town obviously because you know sharks and fresh water i feel like you know you know what i feel like though i feel like that this director is super good at the filming part you know provided he has the budget because i feel like maybe uncaged the only reason why it didn't work so well was maybe the budget was a bit lacking so the effects were not so good but he makes it work but i feel like he could he could benefit from having someone else write the script (laughs) (laughs) that's that's how you get a film under budget if you've got twelve million to make your film, you write and produce, and you you act yeah. and you do as many roles as you can because it's one less person you have to pay. True, true, true. I mean, maybe he, you know, maybe at this because I feel like he is getting better in the writing. Like obviously, forty-seven meters down, it was a whole pacing issue and and lack of sharks. This one, he made up for it. He brought in a lot of sharks, all kinds of sharks. Every room had sharks. You're not alone in that thinking that he is actually getting better as a director. There seems to be a lot of people who are sharing that opinion. Um, I mean, when you compare it to like his earlier films, such as Hellbreeder or Forest of the Damned. Um, and garbage like tw- Storage 24 with no Clark. Oh, God, I hate anything that man's involved in. <laughs> you want to have an unfun time, watch something with no Clark in it. So, I mean, I've still got to watch, obviously, The Strange Spray at Night, so maybe throw it away between the two films. But uh, certainly, 47 Meters Down on Cage, on looking, like, recollection on it, I enjoyed it a lot more than when I was watching it. I think it played better when I was sort of like going through the experience that it just had with it. But, um, but I didn't, you know, you know, my thing was like, I really like Uncaged. I, I think that, you know, the more I think about it, I had a really fun time. I don't know. Like, I feel like I'm just easily scared. Maybe like I get really like worked up when I watch shark movies. So I had a lot of like fun jump scare moments, but then, you know, deep down, you know, those are just cheap scares. Mm. <laughs> but I had a fun time with it, and that's what matters. It's also the second <laughs> so... time we see sharks swim backwards. <laughs> <laughs> no, yeah. they can't do that. <laughs> but uh, in this film, they certainly can. Well, I mean, I, I, I'm, I'm guessing that you, you're talking about Deep Blue Sea, where they swim Deep Blue Sea, they swim backwards, and then this is the scene where it appears from a but cave. Deep Blue Sea, yeah, Deep Blue Sea was the fact that they. They had an explanation for it because their brains are bigger and they're smarter. So they're able to swim backwards. So what, because, what was the shark's know, excuse in this one? Because it appears from a cave yeah, and then sh- swims the- backwards. It's like, right? Maybe they, maybe just like how they adapted <laughs> to their, uh, their, 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 their system to the underwater, the, the cave system. They can swim backwards now. I don't know. I mean, they seem to they seem to know a lot in the movie too. Like the girls in there, they seem to know a lot that I don't know about. It seems like they already knew about blind sharks. <laughs> so, so Yeah, I think out of the two, I would watch Uncaged again. Um again, this is sort of so it, it it's so perfectly suited for Netflix. It's that sort of viewing experience. Uh where you're sort of looking for something to to kill some time with and and this is a, a not a bad movie to do that with so well if you're in netflix canada you don't have it yet so yeah unless you're obviously in netflix <laughs> i had to canada. rent i had to pay money to watch this <laughs> um so i don't know, look out for it on a movie channel or something i'm sure it'd turn up somewhere so <laughs> yeah no, but it's, a, it's it's really not, it's it's really, in terms of, you know, all of the direct-to-video sequels that we've seen, that we, that, you know, you would have normally seen, I feel like Uncaged is not too bad. Like, it, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a fun time. It's not great, but it's a fun time. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. So, so anything else you want to talk it, about in this one? No. 
No. Um, further viewing then, if you do enjoy these movies, uh, what would you say would be good films to pair with it? Uh, well, I mean, obviously, I mentioned uh, I mentioned um, the Descent, yep. which I thought uh, in both cases actually are very good. I think most of my choices are are very much just uh, very very much similar to I don't know they're, they're just kind of like survival movies yeah, and like, um, linked to whatever, right? Um, I have also uh, I forgot I, I feel like no one's seen this movie, but I might be just dumb. Um, so the 20, 2005 had a movie called The Cave, which was also quite good. Um, well, it was, was alright. It, it was okay. <laughs> it was okay. I wouldn't say it was quite good, thinking about that. It was also about um, these people, like these cave divers, who go into a cave system, but they don't meet sharks. They, they meet something else. <laughs> they find something else, which... Um, uh, which I don't want to, because it's a spoiler if I if I talk about it. So it's just, they, they find some deadly creatures there that, that end up a- attacking them. Um, that adventure is, I like the concept of it. I think that that one also had some execution problems. Um, but uh, that's definitely one that goes really well with the concept here. Um, another one, if we talked about catacombs um, and that sort of thing, and kind of like the claustrophobic feeling... Um, not underwater, but uh, still okay as well, is As Above, So Below. Okay. Yeah. Which I believe is a... I believe it was a found footage movie. It was a found footage... Uh, I think it was found footage horror movie where they're... These, it, this... Um, I don't know. I would say siblings that went to... Yeah, the siblings who I think go to... Who explore this... Um, in the catacombs under this, Paris, uh, aren't they? cave system. Yeah. In the catacombs under Paris, that I keep seeing all these bloody urban exploration yes, exactly. videos about. Ugh. Yeah, exactly. And they're trying to the film a documentary on 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 this this uh, these catacombs and stuff like that in in, in Paris. So um, yeah, I think those are my two choices, like the, my my three pretty much choices, and one that kind of I feel like I haven't seen in a really long time is uh it, it's called the hold i don't remember what year it was that they had it the one um is it yeah 2001 had a movie called the hole where there were these um i think it was these teens that were that that that, that was um that disappeared and then they were but they because they were trapped in this um underground fallout shelter Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. So I know the one like Kira Knightley yeah, and, Birch and um, Lawrence yeah, yeah, Fox. Yeah, 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 yeah. So this this one has that same kind of like psychological element um, of being trapped underground and this kind of that that sort of feeling. Uh, it kind of goes really the, I think it goes kind of a Lord of the Flies way. <laughs> but yeah. Yeah, it goes. It goes a bit south. For the uh, for those yeah. involved, no, the hole is really a really great under the radar movie. Um, unfortunately, there's a Joe Dante movie also called The Hole as well, so um, yeah, people do get a little confused there. But the Four Birch one is just another stand up performance by Four Birch, especially. Yeah, no, I I I'm telling you, The Hole I got as a side note. I got this one on like I think a, a cheapy cheapy Walmart bargain bargain movie, pack. <laughs> and then it was surprisingly good. So. <laughs> Fantastic. Um, yeah. For myself, I mean, it's very sort of similar to picture yourself. I mean, rather than Descent, I would say watch The Descent 2. I thought it was a much superior film than the original Descent. Um, and The Descent itself, I mean, I was I thought it was just basically a, a poor man's version of What Waits Below, which is certainly a much more scary and effective movie. Again, Monsters in a Caving System. Um, simple sort of setup there, but it's got some really interesting little twist to it and there's a really great atmosphere to it as well um we got sanctorum about uh, a group of um uh, people trapped in a cave cave system uh which has got elements of obviously cave diving in there and spelunking so that's got a nice claustrophobic edge to it as uh well and um those would be my main sort main sort of picks because I think anything else that I would choose would go off into more sort of disaster territory and that'd be sort of things like, you know, besides an adventure or Tower and Inferno, just this idea of people overcoming obstacles to, to get to an objective. Especially in the case of Beside an Adventure is um follows a similar sort of 
plot layout to this film is in you know we've got a group of survivors whose uh, cruise ship gets turned upside down by a freak wave and they have to make the way essentially from the top of the ship which is now at the bottom all the way to the bottom of the ship which is now at the top um which really made this poseidon as well which is pretty effective as well but um the original version is is still a, a classic and uh, and one i like to catch whenever it's on so but um yeah those would uh be our picks um 47 meters down uh kind of throw away but uh 47 meters down on cage myself surprisingly good so check them out for your, yourself uh, they are available in some regions of streaming others i think is cheap rentals so so yes, this brings us to the end of another episode of uh, Moose and Tea. Thank you as always for listening. If you haven't done already, please do hit the like and subscribe button and maybe leave us a review as it all helps raise the profile of the show. You can check out our full archive of episodes at mooseandteapodcast.wordpress.com where we've got all our previous seasons looking at the likes of Sylvia Coppola, Paul W.S. Anderson, Ang Lee and Guillermo del Toro and uh, our most recent season uh, looking at David Fincher. And uh, on there as well, you can also find the fun bits of writing that we do as well, as well as our Friday Film Club, where each Friday, myself and Kim both pick a film to put together into a full, into a fun little double feature. Sometimes it's a theme, sometimes it's not. Either way, it's a chance for us to explore and share the movies that we like as well. Um, but until then, thank you for listening. Thank you to my co-host Kim, and we'll be back soon with another After Hours pick. Until then, good night. <laughs>